0: Think Jim, but not as we know it. How dare you? How now how Now how Zero seven. It is ten minutes to two p.m. on Thursday, the twentieth of July, two thousand and twenty-three, and you are listening to the Bashcast. Coming up. In this afternoon's Bashcast, Tom recaps the Smart Bash networking event, the good, the bad the Negative EV Blackjack and the Jaeger bombs that cost £1,500 the Women's World Cup is underway what edges are we looking for there and given the goals in 2019 will it be overs and overs and overs and overs we have an email segment, some praise, some trolls, feedback from the BTC segment in the last Bashcast and a technical question about closing line value and we end with some words of honesty ahead of the school summer holiday break as Tom goes on the hunt for a new best Friend, All of that and more coming up in the Bashcast this afternoon. On the 6th of July at 6pm um, in the Empire Casino Sports Bar in London, we had the first Smart Bash networking event. This was a low-key event. Didn't make a big thing about it before. The reason for that was um, it was very much a sort of deliberate strategy to keep it low-key, to keep it invite-only, small number of highly skilled um, invitees um, for two reasons. One, so that we can have it as a sort of test event to see if this kind of thing works for the future. So maybe if this worked we don't want you, you don't want to go gung ho have it for 100 200 people in year 1 um we thought let's just there's going to be a lot of mistakes made and lessons learned so let's keep it low key and two it was really so that we could have a sort of discussion um around the current gambling environment the white paper um the narrative around gambling um how it's always negative and so on and so forth so that was the idea going into it getting the right people in the room was important for number one. So um, it, it was kept a little bit, I don't know... Under the radar, we teamed up with the Smart Betting Club instead of doing it alone. I think when you've got two organizations doing it, it gives a lot more credibility um, because if it was, for example, just the Smart Betting Club, it could be seen as sort of a marketing event just for the Smart Betting Club. If it was just bookie bashing, it could just be seen something for bookie bashing members or a marketing event for bookie bashing. It was neither of those things, and it wasn't a marketing event. Um, It was meant to be a networking event and a conversation, so the sort of power of having two separate individual entities coming together and organizing this i thought was tangible at least i thought that um we did announce it on twitter the day before um and of course what i don't know what what else to expect but the first comment is um uh, someone tagging spanky um the usa based high profile professional gambler pro sports better and head of B better betters um Tagged him and said, "You need to ask for royalties for the Smart Bash event." Royalties, eh? I mean, what's this about? Well, Spanky created um a, a big Las Vegas event called the Bet Bash. Um, he created this. I'm not entirely sure of the year, but I think the third one was in 23. I don't know how much lockdown affected it, but I'm guessing the first one was either in 2020 or 2021, something like that. This is a sort of big conference, 100, 200, 300 people or more. Um, they've got like showgirls there, and it's very different to what we were doing. We, threw the Smart Bash event, calling it the Smart Bash, from the name Smart Betting Club, which was... um. Um, originated in the early 2000s, and bookie bashing, which was registered in 2014, okay? Um, So we took Smart from Smart Betting Club and Bash from bookie bashing and created Smart Bash. And had, well, I I was aware of Bet Bash, but I didn't put two and two together and think that there would be any kind of confusion about our event and their event. Also, I'm not going to lie, we started in 2014, so... I mean, it's it, unless in 2014 uh, we created a time machine, went forward to 2020, had a look at what Spanky was doing, saw that he created the bet bash, went back to 2014 and decided to call ourselves bookie bashing ahead of the time. It would have been difficult to have ripped it off. But um, we did get tagged um, and said, um, these guys are patently ripping off bet bash and Spanky. He deserves his tribute. Uh, I, I said the other possibility is the events coasted by SBC and bookie bashing. With all due respect, and by, and by the way, I don't believe he had any due respect, you have lifted the market, their marketing material word for word. Must just be a coincidence. Laughing face. Why are people like this? Why are they like this? I mean, why are they like this? Uh, lifted their marketing material. There's no marketing material because it's a private event. Invite only. And it's not a marketing event. It's a network event. We did... Claim this, but again, Mr. Know It All, Mr. Phil Bull, BSc. I always like to put my academic achievements into um, all of my sort of uh, social media communication. So um, uh, he then tells us that uh, you copied, I mean, he's doubling down the name and the marketing materials and then promoted it on here. Upside down face, upside down face. You don't do yourselves any favours by obfuscating, obfuscating, obfuscating. You know, when you see that word written down, you know what it means. But I've just realised I've never said it in my life before. The dictionary says uh, obfuscate. Um, the spelling changes will deform some familiar words and obfuscate their etymological origins. To be fair to him, it's very good use of that word. Um he then tags Spanky yet again at Spanky. Cool with your project being uncannily similar to this one. Um, and I did tell him I'm absolutely cool with Spanky um, giving the bet bash an uncannily similar name to bookie bashing, which started five or six years earlier. It always ends up like that. Completely missing the point of what we're trying to do. But there you go. So I got up at um, crack of dawn, um, headed over to the train station, Uh, parked my car in Birmingham International Train Station, um, jumped on the train. As always, I've booked a seat, I've reserved a seat, and then I get to my seat, and the sign says that the seat is unreserved, and there's an old lady sitting in there. So what do you do? Like, what am I going to do? Like, it's not her fault, because she's just sat down on a seat that says it's unreserved. Am I going to chuck an old lady off her seat? Because I've booked it? No, I'm not going to do that. So I think some other people would... So I ended up standing for three quarters of the bleeding journey all the way down there. Um, Get down to the event. I'm fasting all day, which was strategy error number one, but we'll come back to that. Um, We had a look at the uh, venue. And when we got to the venue, everything looked fine. Um, The idea was they were going to bring food out at 6 and 30 and food out at 9. So we were going to have people arrive, do some food for everyone, um, fill everyone up, do some things, so like panels and presentations uh more foods just to fill people up even more we needed to spend twelve fifty behind the bar um to break even on our deposit um which i didn't think was going to be a problem with 60 people um you know london prices 20 pounds a head i thought on average some people might spend 30 40 some people might spend 10 we'll get there i thought um and the only thing that we really needed to sort out was um sound they couldn't find the microphone to attach to the speakers but um, they promised us when we went away at about three o'clock that um, they would be able to find the microphone attach it to the speakers, everything like that. So that was all cool. Did my best to um, sort of behave myself in the afternoon. I had about 101 different um, messages asking, do I want to go for a pint in this pub and that, that pub and this um, pub um, and that pub. And my issue is once I start, I'm not going to stop. So I wanted to start as late as possible. Um uh, The other issue I have, especially if I'm going to be standing and speaking and organizing, is a a phenomena, a phenomenon that I have been party to all my adult life since I was 18 years old. And this is something called the infinite P cycle. Okay. So my bladder, I mean, I know it's too much information, but here you go. It's never been the strongest in terms of, you know, you, you can sit with my mate Dan, he's six foot five, and you sit and drink with him, and he'll have six pints, seven pints before he goes to the toilet. Whereas I'm half a pint down and I'm gone, right? But I do, especially when I'm fasting as well. For some reason, the two things that exacerbate it are alcohol and fasting. I think the fasting is because I drink so much water and coffee when I'm fasting. What can happen? Um, if I give you an example of the Birmingham Christmas market. The Birmingham Christmas market can be huge. And there's like one set of toilets and very, very busy, crowded bars and very, very busy, crowded areas. Uh, Terrorist dream, to tell you the truth. Uh, And if you're stuck in the middle of it, what you can do is you can get your big Stein, your big beer, and you can drink it. And maybe have a second. And then I need the loo and I'll go over to the loo. And it takes forever. And we get to the loo and then you get back. And by the time you're back, I need to go to the toilet again. And this can get so bad, if you imagine a graph with the y-axis being the distance from the toilet and the x-axis being time, okay, in certain particular setups, I can find myself in a loop, an infinite loop of doing nothing but going backwards and forwards to the toilet, and it can ruin a night. So one of the issues I might have had if I'd started to At one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon, and just continued straight through would be to fall into the infinite P cycle, and that that wasn't where I wanted to go. So um, tried to behave myself, but then got there, and when I got there, um, about four different people bought me a drink at the same time, so I was quadruple parked, and that was the beginning of the end for me. So um, it was um, it kicked off with um, the Gamblers Consumer Forum. This is um, Andrew Woodman, who we've had on the Bashcast before, and Abby McGregor, who um, are going to really be important on the gambling landscape over the next 12 months, especially with a lot of fight back to the um, the white paper. They have a five-point plan going forward. If you want to know more about this, go to the gamblersconsumerforum.com. They want to call for a change in culture at the Gambling Commission, so it actually does the job of a regu- regulator to represent and protect the interests of customer consumers, and um, and particularly by correcting poor market practice. And then if that's not achieved, they want a new regulator. They want to compa- campaign for a panel of objective qualified clinicians who are experts in addiction recovery to advise the government. Um, they want to strongly object against the use of affordability checks. Um, they want to call for the creation of a government panel made up of ordinary gamblers as well as independent bookmakers and sporting industry representatives to directly influence government policy and they aim to achieve this through a strong social media presence, a media campaign, a lobbying campaign and by responding to consultations and inquiries. Um, there's probably no one better um, to uh, fight our cause. I mean we've had Brian Chappell but he's a one-man band um, over at Jimmy Justice um, on Twitter He's not particularly well. Just now he couldn't make the event. He sent his best wishes. A one-man band wasn't going to solve this problem. Outfits like bookie bashing and smart betting club, they could be seen to have um, ulterior motives. We're not going to solve this problem. Independent and standalone punters aren't going to solve this problem. Heaven forbid, bookmakers aren't going to solve this problem. And heaven forbid, the government's not going to solve this problem either. And even organizations such as the Horse Betting Forum often quoted... The structure of those guys, the way that they have to sort of agree on with a a vote, is it's it's not the forum to fight our side. These are our best chances, and I would recommend everyone gets behind them and supports them. So um, yeah, go and have a listen to the last Smart Betting Club podcast if you want to have a a chance to hear what they're about. But they did a presentation for about an hour. Um, that was excellent. Just before then, the food did come out, and I recognised a mistake that I made. You come up to Worcestershire, 60 of you, I'll spend 1,250 quid on food, and you will eat a lot of food. At least you will notice the food. At least you'll recognize that food exists. Blink and you missed it down at the Empire Casino. And I, I guess what what I got wrong is I didn't translate Leicester Square prices from Worcestershire prices. And yeah, I mean, like, these the we ordered a load of food, but the guys went around with the trays. I ordered fish and chips. I imagined, like, fish and chips what actually it was was like a, a tiny little pot with a two inch bit of fish like an hors d'oeuvre like a fancy thing It was delicious it was just you could eat it all in less than half a bite and like three chips and you have that well you've had your fish and chips and although we had other things like burger sliders you could you could have inhaled the burger slider delicious as it was um and not really noticed that you'd consumed anything so um I think I had like one tiny little bite to eat. That was my fast broken, no more food, continue on the drinking. Started to spell a little bit of danger for me. Um, We then had a panel and we had problems with both the presentation and the panel. And the problem was they couldn't find the microphone. They just couldn't find the microphone. That was problem number one. So they got another microphone, but it wasn't attached to any of the speakers. So they brought their own speaker. That speaker was terrible, not loud enough, and had this sort of... um, sort of feedback retort going on that made, you know, if you shouted into the microphone, it was it probably almost would have been better to have put the microphone away and used raised voices. What it meant was that it was quite difficult in the middle and at the back to hear what anyone was saying. You could only hear what people were saying at the front, and even then you had to listen very carefully. And, of course, what that encourages is that when you can't listen, people start talking, you start talking, it makes it even harder to listen, and there's the background noise of the casino. All of those things were lessons learned, Uh, It kind of meant if you wanted to listen, you'd had to be very close and pay a lot of attention, but it was possible. Um, So we then had a panel. We had um, uh, Nick Goff on the panel. Um, We had Pete from SBC sort of moderating. We had Russ Wiseman, the chairman at Star Sports Group. Um, And we had Harry Stewart Moore, a gambling lawyer, who um, one of my team, was very interested in hearing from and speaking to because whenever we have legal issues with the bookmaker, he's always the guy that sort of uh, runs with all of the um, submissions to the small claims court, things like that. Um, He was the guy in university when he got a parking ticket, instead of just paying it or forgetting about it, he would spend three years challenging it because he just can't let it go. That's exactly the kind of person you need in the team. So it was a really interesting panel. They were um, discussing, things around affordability, the white paper, black market regulation, sharp betting. I think I asked a question of the panel. um, Would we ever be in a situation where we can have a bookmaker just pricing stuff up from what they think it should be? And if we can beat them, we can beat them. Just allow us to beat them. And if you have to remove concessions and boosts and just have your margin on top there, would that be allowed? And the question is, well, what are you trying to beat? What do you think you can beat? And I didn't... I didn't have something immediately off the top of my head, so I blurted out Ulchingchen um, Town is what I'm trying to beat, which may be a little bit flippant. It probably was flippant because I saw six eyeballs roll at the same time and they were all like, no, no, never going to be there. So there's probably some nuances and things that I don't understand about some of these weaker markets and the logistics of bookmaking. It would be nice if we were, but um, at least it was an honest, open, frank discussion. and I thought it was a good panel. Um, I think in the future, if we were going to do something like that, we just kind of need to get it a little bit more um, better sound quality, so that more people can get involved with it. Because I think everyone at the back just couldn't hear, so you can't blame them for having the conversation. I didn't want to turn. I did want to turn around and tell people to shut up, but one, I'm not that kind of person, and two, people are giving up the time to come to an event like this. And in all honesty, the feedback I got from then onwards was that um, most people got um, gave good feedback, very positive feedback. Um, because of the networking that they did, the people that they met, I, I met a load of great people there, um, the guys from the Golf Betting Club, Duncan, um, John Roberts from Predicto- Predictology, who I've got my eyes on for that sort of third place in the data resource at the betting awards, um, uh, um, some horse racing um really sharp horse racing betters, people like that. Um, I've come away from the event with a load of contacts of people that I'm staying in touch with, and that really is the most important thing. The second amount of food came out at 9.30, blink, and you missed it. And then we got the total from the bar at the end of the night. And the theory was if we only spent like 1,050 pounds and we needed to cover 1,250 pounds. We were then free rolling a bottle of 200 pound bottle of vodka or champagne that we could just buy and almost give out to people at the casino for free because at that point it wasn't going to cost us any money. And we did only spend 1,050 pounds at the bar, but I don't think any of us noticed it by the time that it came to an end at 10 o'clock, um, mostly because me, um, Vivi, um uh, Josh from SBC, I think I say I think because I'm getting a bit blurry at this time. I know some people went to over to for a curry. He may or may not have done that. Um, Lee Duncan. Went down to the blackjack tables started just splashing chips around with negative expectation blackjack. Like, not even not not card counting, which would have been impossible with the shoes and the drink anyway, but also, like, not even playing anywhere near optimal strategy. A kind of do-what-you-want strategy. So we played blackjack for a period of time. Then a number of us, late into the morning, went into Leicester Square, found some alehouse, like a craft alehouse, this is where my memory is starting to leak quite significantly. I think we were with some young people. I don't know where the young people came from. <laughs> By young I mean like twenty to thirty. And I and speaking to Duncan, pretty much the, the end of our memories was the Jaeger bombs being bought. I don't buy Jaeger bombs when I go out. I only drink Jaeger bombs one when they're bought for me and two, I've had enough to drink that I forget that I don't drink Jaeger bombs, because spirits are silly, especially after that much. Um, so the Jager bombs came out, and the, uh, the memory ends there. Now, there are some flashbacks, and um, I believe it was time for me to actually go and find some food, having eaten almost nothing and drunk for the entire day, which probably contributed to my tipsiness. Um, I didn't know where I went, but I checked my credit card bill on... Monday and apparently I went to walk to walk or walk to walk. Um so that's obviously like a Chinese takeaway place because there's no bleeding fish and chip shops in the center of Leicester Square. And um I bought presumably some noodles or some rice, and then I went to try and find a taxi and I remembered if I'm getting an Uber, um I've got new credit cards and debit cards since the last time I'd used Uber, so I had to get my credit card out of my wallet to upload the new details, half cut and stood in the middle of a Leicester Square, um, in order just to order an Uber, and I put my hand in my pocket, and there was no wallet in there. And I'll tell you the super annoying thing about losing a wallet, other than... It's always super annoying losing a wallet. I, before I went to London, I picked up my wallet. I normally just pay for stuff on like Apple Pay, but I have like a gambling wallet, which is big enough to keep afloat in. Um, uh, uh, but I, I only take that out if I'm going to the shops and stuff like that. And I remember thinking, you're going to lose this. You're going to have too much to drink and lose this. So leave one credit card behind at home so that when you lose it, um, uh, you're going to be able to Um, function by getting home and having a credit card whilst you wait for the replacements. So I had the thought that I was going to lose it and I lost it. And I don't know how much I won or lost in the blackjack. I was sort of bankrolling a few people. So I was like putting the money down for people they were playing. And then I I don't know how much we cashed out for. I I kind of in my head think we were break even. We might have lost. We might have won. I don't remember. But I, I went with about 1500 quid in cash and it was gone um and that was irritating i had to um find a taxi that would then take me back to my hotel and then i had to find a mate at the hotel to come and pay for my taxi because i had no money um and then the two of us went off to celebrate the rest of the evening until eight in the morning which was foolish because i paid for a hotel room there was no need to have done that and so then I went back over to Leicester Square to see if I could find my wallet at eight in the morning. I don't know why I thought I could find it. Was it just going to be lying on the ground? I think I thought I could find the bar or the takeaway. I could find neither. Couldn't really remember anything. So then back over to Houston to up to Birmingham International, because, of course, the schools are on strike. Why wouldn't they be? So I had to get home for the little boy. But as um, I can't drive back from Birmingham International because I've been drinking all night. Fortunately, I had a friend who was working in that area that needed to go back to where I was living anyway. So talked to him and he could come and drive my car back. But I got to Birmingham International. I realize I've lost my wallet. The wallet has the car parking ticket in it. I even took a photograph of the ticket to prove that I had it just in case something like this happened. But there's no human being that works at the car park at Birmingham International. It's all it's all automated. Also, brilliant layout this. The ticket machines are within the train station, which is a 10-minute walk from the car park. So you have to pay for your ticket and then walk 10 minutes to the car. I had no ticket to pay. There was some sort of lost ticket for £60 thing. So I paid that because I've still got my credit card on the Apple Pay that isn't lost. And I paid it and no receipt or ticket was given to me I'm like what's going on here just it just didn't give me anything so went back to the car thought I could sort it out of the barrier went to the barrier it just doesn't open I don't know why I thought it would open like they but it just didn't like the lost ticket doesn't know the registration of my vehicle I'm like, how do I get out? I thought about tailing somebody out, so somebody out of the barrier. Um, I have a roof rack on, though, from camping, stupidly, because it's empty, and oh, the barrier did seem to come down. I was timing it. It wasn't going to work. So um, we um, we couldn't really do that. So I'm pressing all of the buttons at the intercom. There's nobody answering the intercom. The only thing to do is to park the car back up, walk another 10 minutes all the way back to Birmingham International, uh, tr- train station to find the ticket machines to then call the intercom complain that I've paid they say there was no record that I've paid I'm I'm pretty sure it said it was accepted paid a second time so that 120 quid now I'm given a ticket have to then go back to the car to the barrier the ticket still doesn't work but now they've actually given me a phone number so I'm now talking to them on The mobile phone, they have to figure out which barrier of which car park I'm in in the country, which seemed to have taken seven and a half years. Uh, Finally, they let us out. And I'm like, I'd better, when I check my bank balance on um, Monday morning, see only one charge has gone through. But no, two charges have gone through. So I either now have to figure out how I can fight this, even though I don't even feel like I've got a proof, other than why would I have paid for two lost tickets in a small amount of time? I mean, that should be proof by itself. Or... I just torch it and it goes, none of that should be important. (laughs) Did get to bed, (laughs) top parenting this, put the little boy in front of um, Netflix and just fell asleep on the couch. So did get to bed around about lunchtime on the Friday. Um, But um, it's all in the name of fun and good times. Whoever it is that found my wallet, what do you think the chances are that that gets returned? Like if I find a wallet with 1500 quid in it, um, it's got my driving license in it as well. I think I'm going to make an effort to return it to the person, and I would hope most people would. Um, Now, look, if the wallet's got a tenner in it, I'm just going to go out of my way as a nice guy to return it. That's what I'm going to do. If it's got £100 in it, I reckon I'd take a tenner out to cover my time because I've got to go to the post office, bag it up, buy postage and stuff like that. Do you think that's fair? That's what I would do. I've spoken to some other friends. Some other friends are like, you can't even take a tenner out of it. I'm like, no, I would take a tenner out of it. If it's 1500 quid, I might even take a hundred pounds out of it for my time. And I think I still think that's fair. Um, It's now been two weeks. Has the wallet arrived? No, of course it hasn't. So someone's picked it up. Someone's found the money and not returned it to me. I'm annoyed that they haven't returned my cards and my driving license. And I quite liked the wallet as well because it's all multicolored and stuff like that. I'm slightly annoyed about the money. It's not the money so much. It's more that my irresponsibility um, does my not in because I could predict that it was going to happen and it did happen. But I'm also slightly disappointed in the human race that it just didn't find its way into the hands of somebody that would have taken, take 200 quid out and return it to me. Take 500 quid out and return it to me and say, that was all the money that was in it. I'll never know. I'll just think somebody else found it and lifted some money out of it. But it found its way into the hands of somebody who took it, took the money and binned it probably i don't know i mean it's two weeks now so it's not going to come back that's just sad it's a sad indictment on the human race you should all do better i hope whoever found it really needs the money i can imagine it might have been found by somebody who has nothing maybe they're in a little bit of trouble maybe they're in a bit of financial trouble and i can understand how finding something like that it makes the difference to them just return my wallet just do that um I got in a bad mood after that. More about my disappointment in the human race and my disappointment in myself. Later that day, my son stepped on his glasses and broke the leg off. And his glasses are only 10 quid. So it wasn't the cost of it. It was the fact that they were his only glasses. I hadn't got him a second pair. I kept putting it off. And now he can't read books until we go and sort that out. So it was the annoyance of having to sort that out. Then I lost my only remaining credit card, in the house but couldn't find it anywhere Turned the house upside down for like two hours before giving up i'm really starting to lose my patience with myself there so i take myself to my happy place and i make a meatball sauce i made the best meatball sauce in the entire world by the way i'm sat in the kitchen trying to just meditate through cooking and i've got a tomato puree tube you know those tubes that you squeeze them out of and i'm wearing a white designer t-shirt whilst i'm cooking and looking after a bloody four-year-old i mean come on um And I squeeze the tomato puree out of the end into the pan. And the end that's facing me, the wrong end, the sealed end, splits. And like a line of tomato puree squirts all the way up the front of my T-shirt and my face and my glasses and through my hair, like across the lens. And that should be something that's funny. That should be humorous. That should be where I walk into the other room and go, Ewan, look what's happened to me. I had to stand there by that pan of meatball sauce, close my eyes and count to 700 because I was at the end of my wick at that point. Spoiler alert, that T-shirt's ruined. It's been through the wash about three times. I knew it was going to happen at the time. Something about tomato puree and a white T-shirt. That's not coming out. That, That is stained forever. Looking at the bigger picture, it was a great event. I kind of hate hosting stuff. I did a summer party the week before and I hated hosting my summer party because I kind of think... I kind of think it never goes as well as I think it should do, and I focus on the negatives. And then after my summer party, my house party, I mean, there was one part of the house party where the neighbour did come round at 11.45, and she was screaming blue murder at me. And at the time, I was wearing, like, the sleeveless jacket. I had neon yellow hair in a Mohican, purple glitter all around my eyes and my shoulders and everything like that. And she's standing at the front of my driveway, asking me, saying, I don't know what the hell you think is going on here. To be fair, the bass speaker we got, we created a little nightclub in the in the carport in the house um, with glitter ball, DJ booth, all of that. To be fair, it it, it was an accurate thing for her to say, I don't know what the hell you th- is going on here. It must have been a strange thing for her to be shouting at me. But afterwards, I kind of hated it and thought it was rubbish. And everyone tells me it was great, but I don't see it. And it was the same with the smart bash event. I kind of dislike throwing these things, but I appreciate the positive feedback that has been sent back. The main thing people getting is the networking, meeting people of a sort of same um, level of experience and knowledge around professional betting and the gambling industry. So do we think we're going to put one on in the future? I think so. As long as the UK gambling industry hasn't collapsed in on itself in 12 months time it would be quite interesting i don't we probably won't do it in a casino with a lot of background noise probably make sure that any speaker system is working and i'll make sure that i don't get one microgram of food to feed 60 people other than that i think it's very plausible and i definitely think it's something that we could open up maybe 100 people 200 people make it a ticketed event and the one thing that i am going to ensure is that spanky is aware that Smart Bash, if it comes as big as Bet Bash, is absolutely nothing to do with ripping off him. (whistles) The FIFA Women's World Cup 2023 kicks off in the morning. It's eight o'clock in the morning. We've got um, New Zealand... Women versus Norway women, and then Australia women, Ireland women at 11 o'clock in the morning. If you want to hear Matt Trenhill's viewpoint of why there are so many goals in women's football, have a listen to the Bashcast, the Christmas special. Um, It wasn't last year's, I think it was the year before, so that would be Christmas 2021. Um, He made the interesting point that if you look at a selection pool... Of athletes to pick from in women's football compare it to men's football look the height of the goals is the same in men's football and women's football it's eight foot it's 2.44 meters so what's the average height of a premiership goalkeeper don't know off the top of my head but I'm imagining 6'2 6'3 I'm 5'7 I don't think I have a chance of ever being a premiership footballer goalkeeper um not so much because I'm at least ten years older than the oldest player in the Premiership just now, but because I'm five foot seven, um, my arm reach isn't going to, is going to put me at a disadvantage against um, similarly skilled or even worse skilled people who are you know foot taller than me. Now have a look at the sample size you've got for women. You have to have tall goalkeepers. You just have to. But how many? Six, six foot two girls are athletes at the same time. If you know not point naught one percent of people um are good enough to be professional footballers, athletes, goalkeepers, what's not point one per cent of girls who are six foot two and above? Yeah, you know, the best goalkeeper by skill is probably five foot five for women, but you have to be nine inches taller than that, just to have a competitive advantage. So you're picking from a much lower um, sample, and therefore the overall quality of the goalkeepers relative to the men's is worse. It's just a theory. I don't know how true it is, but it it could explain why there are so many goals in women's football. USA um, are always there and thereabouts when it comes to... The World Cup. Um, they won it last time in France, um, beating the Netherlands. They won it the time before in Canada, beating Japan. They were runners up in Germany um, before that. So it's all about the United States. England, perennial third place playoffs. They, uh, they beat Germany. Uh, to be third in 2015. They lost to Sweden to be fourth in 2019. So the two favourites at the top of the market, USA uh, 3.8 to win the World Cup, England 6.6, Spain 6.8, Germany Um, 9.8. Then you've got a couple of teams in the middle, um, Australia, France, Sweden, Netherlands, before you start drifting out to kind of the no-hopers. There's a number of teams, Philippines, Vietnam, South Africa, Nigeria, Morocco, Jamaica, Costa Rica, Haiti, Panama, that simply cannot win 32 teams in this World Cup. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm looking forward to the uncertainty that women's football brings. Now, is there a huge number of goals? Well, in the knockout stages, there was 106 goals last time. Um, 36 matches, 2.94 goals per match. That is quite a lot of goals. Um, sorry, not the knockout stages, the group stages, 2.9 goals per match. In the knockout stages, a lot more reasonable, 2.375. That aligns a little bit more with the men's game. Overall, group stages and knockout stages, um, 144 goals in total was 2.77 goals per match. It is more than usual. It should be noted that the USA in their um, group stage did get 18 goals in three games. Um, And so you do have these one-sided games in women's football. Um, I'm just scrolling to their results. United States. um, I mean, they beat Thailand 30-0. Then they beat Chile 3-0. And then they beat the Swedes 2-0. So really all of that came again. I mean, 30-0 in a World Cup is, it's kind of like, It was athletes versus amateurs versus schoolgirls. It possibly shouldn't be something that's on the international stage, but what are they going to do? Um, Thailand are not in the World Cup this time around. Who do the USA have? They've got... um, They're playing Vietnam um, in their first match on uh, Friday, whatever the 21st is. So... I mean, some of these one-sided matches are crazy. Uh, The USA are 1.01 to back and 1.02 to lay against um, Vietnam, who are 140 to back and 4.90 to lay, right? But, I mean, some of these matches, looking at the last traded price, the USA traded at 1.02, England against Haiti, 1.03, France against Jamaica, 1.04, Brazil versus Panama, 1.03, Germany to beat Morocco, 1.06. I mean, you just never see teams trading at this price in the match odds in competitive men's football other than the odd germany versus san marino or something like that um which doesn't you know we we all we sometimes have difficulty with these games um modeling how many goals a team that is 500 to one is going to score is always a challenge especially if you know um if a team is 30 nil up after 70 minutes what are they going to do take up take off all of their best players and sit behind the ball um what happens when there's a a, a red card or if it gets a little bit ugly it, it it's just interesting um and there's uncertainty in the modeling but there's uncertainty in the modeling both from our side of the fence as modelers um uh trying to achieve some edges in the market, but also with the market mayors, makers and the market itself. There's uncertainty on both sides. So we're uncertain, but they're uncertain. So there's more opportunity because of that. I mean the worst game that I try and find an edge on is the Champions League final, because it's shaped within an inch of its life. In fact I tend to ignore it. Um whereas I certainly prefer the games that have more uncertainty it can throw up some really weird EV. Um if looking at the coupons we might see something like win both halves or a team to win and both teams to score at like 180%. Probably need to be careful there. Um it probably isn't 180% but it's probably over 100% and so drilling into the numbers is quite important. had a look at some of the um the xG's on the match xG tool that we have. Um That Spain game that's coming up, Spain versus Costa Rica, we've got 4.88 goals predicted for that. Um, Haven't actually got a number yet for the USA-Vietnam match because I can't quite figure out what the over 2.5 is going to be. 4.88 in Brazil-Panama, 4.52 in France versus Jamaica. Loads and loads of goals. Um, Again, haven't quite been able to sort of drill into the corners, but, I mean, for that Spain match, if I can find that... Um, that that could be anything between two goals and ten goals. It could be more than ten goals. And so, what I am slightly interested in, therefore, is player goal scorer. Um, and I've been having a look at some of the XGs for some of the players. And I mean, as you would expect, some of them are sort of Hollandish outrageous. I mean, there's a handful of goals who have um, an XG just now over. 1.5 in their match. They're all in USA versus Vietnam. Sophia Smith, Lynn Williams, Alex Morgan, Megan Rapinoe. I mean, Alex Morgan's got an XG. This is a player has an XG of 1.95 in that match, which is just outrageous. Spain, Costa Rica, Jennifer Hermonzo, 1.34. Esther Gonzalez, 1.43. I mean, Esther Gonzalez expected to score. If she scores one goal, that... that <laughs> She's half a goal less than what the markets are predicting just now. Um, France versus G- Jamaica. Eugene LeSommer, uh, 1.35 goals in that. Um, I'm very encouraged to see that Betfred are going double delight hat-trick heaven in this. I don't know if they're going in every single game, but they are going in the first few. That's for sure. Uh, let's bring up Betfred now. Let's see if he mentions if he's doing it in every single It'll be nuts if he does it in like the USA game. Absolutely nuts. Betfred... Promotions. The pre-matched. Top price England women to win the World's Cup. Oh, okay. What's the price that you're doing? Um, oh, anyway, who cares? Oh, let's have a look. Um, no, they're just top price. Bet here. England to win the World Cup. 6.0. 6.4 in the exchange. So whatever. That's a, that's a nothing thing. Pre-match double delight hat-trick heaven. Selected games only. Yeah, he's not going in every single game, is he? Um... Not going in the USA game. Can't blame him. Cannot blame him for that. How about pre-match? Oh, sorry, in play. Yeah, he's not doing it in play either. Fair enough, Fred. Don't blame me. But he is doing it in a few. Um, uh, so both games tomorrow, New Zealand, Norway, and Australia versus the Republic of Ireland. So Australia are 1.3. Um, New Zealand or uh, Sorry, Norway are 1.3 as well. Um, some decent XG in both of those. Games, um, three point one one goals and two point eight seven goals. So there's definitely some possibility of a player getting a goal, getting another goal, hopefully staying on the pitch. Had a look at some early double delight hat trick heaven. There are already eighteen players in just a handful of matches. One, two, three. For maybe five or so matches, um, who are over 100, percent, including just now Esther Gonzalez, who Fred have gone 3.3. um That we, you know, neutral odds should be done at 2.3 for that. That's a big bet. It's 140% DDHH EV. um There's a couple of girls in the England game. I mean, there's another girl in that game, Alba Redondo, at four to one. Fair odds are done at 3.8. Looks an outrageous price in the England game. Take your pick. Rachel Daly, eleven to four. Alessia Russo, eleven to four. Bethany England, three to one. I mean, I'd be keen just to go and get on all of these. I wouldn't do them all in the same shop, but I'd be keen to go and get on all of them. Even Ella Toon, four to one. Um, Lauren Hemp, nine to two, Chloe Kelly, nine to two, any of them. Probably sticking with the top two, probably Rachel. D- I mean, I've no idea, absolutely no idea who's going to start in this match, and that's gonna require a little bit of investigation. Um some bigger prices as well in the New Zealand Norway game tomorrow. Guro Reiten, um, 13 to 2. Looks like a decent price in the morning, so I certainly want to go out and get that. It is going to come down to who's going to start. Now, um, we also sort of enhance our player XG numbers by bringing in team news. Um, team news is really where a lot of the big edges are on the player xg and the the ability to be able to sort of normalize the players xg to equal the team xg minus substitutes is hugely important we're not going to get we don't have an api for the um team news for the women's world cup Um we only have 10 competitions and the women's world cup wasn't one of the ones that i chose nine months ago um, we are going to open it up um, later in the year. But we have added something into the Player XG tool to sort of account for this. Um, you can now make your own lineups. Um, so if if we don't have the team news coming through, but you, you think you're confident you know what the lineup's going to be, or you've got a source, or you've got some knowledge, you can go into the Player XG tool, and you can create a lineup yourself. Um, just click the button that says Add Lineups. And then you get some drop downs for the home and away teams and you can pick all of your players and then um, you can normalize the teams and you'll see um, how your lineups will affect the XG of each player. And then you can trade around, you know, if you're confident, which you should only be doing, well, maybe you're just interested, but if you're confident, you can do this and then you can trade around the anytime goal scorer price with your numbers. The first goal scorer price, two plus and three plus double the light hat trick heaven as well. Um, I thought it was interesting last year. I was watching the America Thailand game, um, and those goals, when they went in, um, they went in in like the 12th, the 20th, the 32nd. Um, so it was only 3 0 at half time. And I was kind of looking at what the over 7.5 and over 8.5 numbers were. And there were so many late goals 74, 81, 87, 79, 85, 90 plus 2. So six or seven goals in the last 15 minutes of that game. Um, And if you were watching it, the Thailand girls had pretty much just given up. And... I kind of wish that we had these edges where you, in play where you could model the different um, expected goals and sort of play around with the overs price. It's something I've looked at, but it moves so fast. Um, it's incredibly difficult to for us, especially at bookie bashing, to provide in-play modelling. I can kind of have a mess around with my spreadsheets, but the numbers just... Things happen too quickly in football for our, our systems to currently catch up, which is why everything is pre-match. I would definitely keep an eye on it. I'd be keeping an eye on things like um, corners. I'd be keeping an eye on things like um, over 2.5, over 3.5, match odds on both teams to score because, you know, what is the XG of um, some of these lower teams? I don't know. I'm going to have a drill in now, actually, if I bring up um, the match XG page. I mean, Vietnam have are expected to get a quarter of a goal. It's, it's crazy low, and it's really difficult to sort of model with any precision whether they're going to get zero or fluke one. Probably not going to get two, but it really highlights some opportunities in the markets of over goals, match odds on both teams to score, win both halves, th- things like that. I don't think I'm rushing out to back the USA at 1.02, but those secondary markets, the win both halves, the goals markets you know, go on Vietnam, go get a goal, um, come on the Philippines, there is a, a wide breadth of opinion that's going to be happening in these Women World Cup matches, and there's going to be opportunities galore, so something definitely to get excited about, to keep an eye on, and um, I don't know, I, I do like, I do like value betting on the FIFA Women's World Cup. just going to catch up on some emails and some feedback because, well, why not? Um, Both the positive and the negative. Some people are like, um, why do you ever focus on the negative? And um, they say, just ignore it and don't give it any attention. And to that, I'd say, well, the answer is because I can. And also, I'm just built that if I get nine bits of positive feedback and one bit of negative feedback, I kind of go to sleep thinking about the negative feedback. Um, And so it's my platform, and I'm able to at least address it and get my thoughts out here rather than just locking it up in a key and getting away. So um, just recently, um, this was the 15th of July, four days ago, I just wanted to say thanks for letting me join. Um, That's all right. No problem. After three years of match betting, I finally found this place. I placed a £1 each way Lucky 15 on today's racing and won 6.5K. I'm shell-shocked, to say the least. Well, good stuff. Um, Obviously, I've no idea how much EV you've banked, right? So if you've banked 6.5k of EV and no other bets won and that's one, then um, you've done the right thing. And perhaps you're running way hot and perhaps um, uh, you're running cold and you've banked 10k of EV. The EV is the important thing. It's just it, I, I I understand it. It is nice just to have these huge wins just sort of land. Um, but um, the way I can sort of tell with the one pound each way lucky fifteen, that's going to be a thirty pound bet returning six and a half thousand pounds. Strap in for the losing run. Um, it's always the case. I think that um, if the losing runs at the beginning, a lot of people just don't get through it um, and. You know you see a lot of people join uh, try it out haven't hit anything in the first month and then that's them gone and you kind of understand it but um if you join and you hit six and a half k in the first day then you're going to be around for a long time and it, it's sort of both things shouldn't count um it's just ev banked keep on e banking that ev over and over again and it will iron itself out if you run hot do recognize that you're running hot if you run closed Uh, cold do recognize that you're running cold although you have to have faith in the system if you run cold from the beginning the number of graphs that i've seen that i find always very impressive are those that 500 a thousand bets in the break even or slightly losing and then you always see that the the upswing occurs and you're like i've got admiration that you stuck it out i think we did have a record um the other day um somebody signed up and within like half an hour they then canceled and asked for a refund saying it wasn't worth it. It's too expensive. It's not worth the money. And you're like, wow, you probably didn't even get a single bet out. You know what I mean? And it's I like also, I always wonder, like, I can't complain, but what is it that you thought that you were going to find? Because all of the what, how it works and what you get is available before you sign up. So it's like there's nothing different behind the paywall or the subscription other than you get the live data um, I'll never understand that. Another common question, actually, that we get as well, is um, your site looks brilliant. I'm fascinated by it. Please, could I have a free trial to see if it's for me? And the answer is always no. No, you can't have a free trial. Um, and someone came back going, well, if I can't have a free trial, that's a deal breaker. And you're like, well, okay, I don't need you. Um. I mean, an issue is if we offer free trial, there's always going to be people that find a way of using the free trial over and over again under different pseudonyms and they they never pay for anything. So there's a logistical issue from our side. The other thing being, why should we give it to you for free? Um, Again, we're very clear about what we have. And it's not like you would walk up into a restaurant and say, your restaurant looks brilliant. That food looks amazing. I've heard great reviews about it. Uh, I haven't tried it though, so can you cook me a free meal, and then if I like it, I'll um, consider paying for the next meal? It's like it doesn't work like that. <laughs> and one other one again is that um, someone emailed in saying the site looks brilliant, but I'm restricted in loads of places, so I probably won't be able to sort of use it all. So could I have a discounted price because I, I can't get on everywhere? And you're like, what? It's like who in the who is unrestricted everywhere? It's like. That would get super complicated if we started offering um, discounted rates based on how restricted you are at the bookmakers. Can you imagine trying to manage that? So I would have a survey. I was like, what limits can you get at Fred? What limits can you get at William Hill? What limits can you get at Bet365? Okay, your subscription is going to be 62.8% of the overall one if you were unrestricted everywhere. And then I've got to take your word for it that if you say you start getting restricted, (laughs) just, I don't know. I don't know where these people come from. So that was that. We got an email in the other day, which is quite a nice one. Do you know what? Really enjoy receiving emails like this. It was, um, hey, I just wanted to say a massive thank you for all the hard work that you put in. Although I'm only doing small stakes, this has been life-changing for me and my husband. We now both only work eight days a month. BB Bookie Bashing Profits cover the loss in our salaries. I've been a member for a couple of years I can honestly say this has helped us so much. Um, I dabbled a little bit in multis, but to be honest, I find the steady income from singles is better for me. Uh, this will be on horses, and you know what? That's hundred percent fine. I mean, the, there is better EV in multiples, but there is higher variance um, at the same odds. So if that works for you, it works for you. You know, you find you find the way to bet that is comfortable for your risk tolerance and profile, and you run with it like that i would certainly not recommend anyone uh betting um compounding ev when it increases the variance and then they can't handle the risk profile you know what i mean um i'm just gonna going into the golf um okay i mean we've had a little bit of a break-even year on the golf so far, I mean, leading McIntyre. I think he was down at one point four or one point five after that incredible shot on the eighteenth in the Scottish Open. I mean, I was big on McIntyre. I wanted a big one just before the summer holidays. I was only outright win on him. I wasn't um, wasn't each way on him, so I needed him to win. And um the seventeenth the and eighteenth were the two hardest holes. And when he finished, he was one shot ahead of McElroy with, t- McElroy with two to play. And McElroy just does what Mark McElroy does. He won it fair and square. He goes birdie, birdie. Birdie, birdie on two holes. They're the two hardest co- holes on the entire course. You can't complain when someone just wins it. Like McElroy just won it. You know what I mean? I'm not going to lie. Hedging's for gardeners. The thought crossed my mind of taking some out at 1.5 at McIntyre. The thought always does cross my mind. I do what I always did. I hovered over the lay button. and I just, I just decided to let's just see what McIlroy does on the 17th and then by then. It was, it was over someone said I think McElroy was 200 to 1 or something at some point coming up um the last night I don't know if, how true that is or not but if you got 200 to 1 on McElroy I mean if I'd seen that I would have taken it I don't know how far away um he was at any point but yeah um email says she says I'm just going to go into the golf still have much to learn on the other trackers and the information you offer again thank you all so much an interesting one, probably only hitting the horses then. And again, that's fine. I always think if you just hit the horses and nothing else, you're still getting big value for money out of the out of the bookie bashing subscription. I mean, talking about that, someone was saying um, that we need to triple the price. And they, they were sort of adamantly saying, please triple the price to stop people coming in. Well, the problem with tripling the price is that if we triple the price, we need to ensure that 66% of people don't leave just to break even. It's very easy for you to say that won't happen. If it does happen, uh, and over 66% of people decide that £300 a month is too expensive, then we're net down and we're at risk of not covering our costs and we have to stop. So it's easy to say it. It's it's too risky from a business uh, perspective. We have a business that is based on decay rates, meaning we have um, a certain number of people that need to subscribe to bookie bashing in order for us to pay all of our costs which are, are very substantial the amount of cost that we have on it on a monthly basis not just the servers all the work all the team the it team you know days will go by you don't hear from us do you know why it's because we're busy keeping everything working and everything works great downtime is almost zero recently scrapers don't go down um uh, odds are very current it's because it's an ongoing job it's not that we've done that and walked away always getting blocked always doing work if we get any time whatsoever we'll sort of start enhancing um tools and trackers as we have done recently so you can now filter by race filter by um um race course on the horse racing tracker you can um start counting the number of times you've put horses in multiples or you've bet on it with a little um um little counting system all of these things these were like user requests and when we get time we can get around to doing them but often we don't have any time because we're just keeping things rolling so we've got a huge number of costs and we need the membership base to not decay beyond a point where we can't cover our costs because if we can't cover our costs then we're in trouble and it's always a worry of mine that we get into trouble So what does this mean? Well, naturally, people leave all the time for various reasons. Some people are just restricted everywhere and they can't get on. And that is happening more and more. And that will always happen. So there will always be people that, you know, they got restricted on online soft and they don't want to do shops or exchanges. And so they're gone. So those people will always be leaving. So there will never be a situation where we don't need new people through the door. And we just try and get the same number of people to come through the door as there are leaving um and it's a very difficult balancing act uh, people sometimes people leave because they're going on holiday or taking a break sometimes people leave because they bust run bad and busted a bankroll sometimes people leave because they've run hot and they've actually you know i know something i've seen is that when people win a lot of money you tend to find that they cancel because um, they take a break for a few months so frequently come back but they take a few months off to enjoy their win and so with all these people that leave we need them through the door um and um, it's quite difficult to get people through the door because not everybody is convinced that a system like this can work, especially if they don't have, um, you know, an experience in value betting or an advantage play and things like that. We did team up with um somebody who has been a long-term member, a member back from when we were £10 a month, when we were losing money month on month, I'll tell you that. And um, he... Um, is now our only, if you like, affiliate. We don't have thousands of affiliates. In fact, we, we frequently get people getting in touch with us saying, what is your affiliate scheme? To which we say, we don't have one because we don't need it because um, we don't want thousands of people saying um, you can, they're affiliated with us and um, you can get a discount. At the same time as keeping uh, worrying about keeping the m- membership level from decaying, keeping it static. We also are very conscious it can't get too big. There is a ceiling and if we burst the ceiling, we implode because the EV goes away. Very conscious on that. This is what some members are saying about why don't we triple the cost. We've got an eye on it. We've seen edges been ruined before. We won't be ruining it this time. Although frequently, sometimes you see, sometimes you see some things that aren't real. Like um, somebody, who's beeping outside? Hush down. Is it you that's real? Um... They say things like, somebody said, horses haven't been worthwhile for ages now. And it's, that's, it's simply not true. Um, the number of volume of horses we have in the tracker is as good as ever. The amount of EV, the amount of wins that we hear about. I can only think that that comment was said to put people off. You don't need to worry about putting people off. Trust me. And also just the, the one week before then was Royal Ascot when everybody was celebrating saying what a fantastic success it was. So it went from one week from it being a success to it hasn't been worthwhile for a long time. you just got to be very wary when people say stuff like that. But anyway, we've joined somebody that is affiliated to us to help us with getting new eyes through the door to stop the decay rate so that we can keep membership levels balanced. And um, he had a sort of promotional video up about Bucky bashing. The comments underneath were. I'm going to read them out to you. Sad times. Gambling is dead. Um, They won't last two minutes, unfortunately. The game is up, mate. This is the next one. No one is betting anymore. The next one says, they shut your accounts down in two minutes. Don't be fooled. Stick to casino. Yeah, stick to your 10p free spins. Somebody said, unbelievable promoting bookie bashing. This site is the biggest scam about... That gets me. You can just... Mr. Anonymous can just jump on to these comments and say that the last 10 years of work that we've put on, put up with all the independent proofing and all of the um, um, betting awards and everything like that, you can just call us a scam. And things like that stick because if somebody hasn't heard of us and then sees that we're the biggest scam around, they don't join. Guess what, mate? If your um, objective is to stop people from joining and for us to shut the door, one, how would you have joined? okay? And two, if nobody joins and we just get decay, then we shut down. Me, Duncan, Lee keep all of the value to ourselves and our teams and nobody else can share with it. So is this what's going to happen? Because that, that's the result of what you're attempting to do here. Um, this guy is a fraudster. Um, do not trust the site. Many have been scammed, another person says. Great. Well done. So I mean, fuming when I saw that. It really doesn't help. And actually, it's not going to help you. Because if if we do not get anybody new through and we just decay, that's the only direction it goes in. How much money, I ask you, do you think I should dig into my own pocket to keep bookie bashing running at a loss? Right? Because it was a lot of money <laughs> from 2015, 2016, 2017. All I'm saying is, is, if this is your objective, maybe think twice about what the end goal will be if you're successful in deliberately throwing around these false statements the next email in is a technical one um from tom and not from me unless i email myself in the middle of the night but i pretty much would don't remember doing that he says um hi tom hope you don't mind me uh reaching out um we were talking on one of my clinic calls tom and me about um, beating the closing line so when you're betting on steamers essentially that's what you're trying to do on the assumption that steamers are more likely to keep on steaming than they are to drift um then um the price is going to keep going down so if you get it whilst it's steaming and it continues to steam you beat the closing line if you get it whilst it's steaming and then it drifts then you don't beat the closing line can you beat that 50 50 sort of goalpost benchmark for beating the closing line then you should be profitable that's why the coupons tracker is profitable however he's using um the game center and the player xg now on the game center and the player xg what we do is we price up our own um, expected goals, and then secondary goals markets and player markets based on those expectations. There's no concept of um, whether a team is steaming in, whether it is drifting or not. So you're looking at kind of static data. The edge really being to sort of beat more a illiquid um, markets, biased markets, markets where um, the, you know, the, market makers and the players and the exchanges are really... They've got it wrong if you break everything down into first principles with the information that is around at any given time. Um, are these games that you pick randomly on the Player XG tool or the, day, the game center going to steam or going to drift? We do not know. You pick one at random, you don't know. So any particular team, therefore, has probably about a 50% chance of drifting, 50% chance of steaming. We can posit that, right? Um, so he's been having a look at his results because we've got this data archive tool now and on the data archive tool you can go back and have a look at the closing lines right so you can have a look at what you bet at you can have a look at the closing lines you can see if you're beating the closing line more often than not so it's a reasonable analysis actually i quite like um um what he's doing here to sort of validate his betting strategy so he's broken down some numbers um on the Player XG tool, he's got an ROI of plus 23.05% from 264 bets at an average odds of 20.99. First things first, super small sample size. I very much appreciate that it takes a long time to get to a large sample size here. So it's not really a criticism. It's not a criticism to be even looking at the numbers just now see how we're doing. Um, it takes forever. Uh, same like on the shots on target. It just takes forever to start building up um, these data sets where we can look at it. Um, uh, on the game center is minus 31 percent roi so not doing quite as well from um 353 bets now that's in 192 games um really the sample size there is 192 because if you're betting on asian handicap minus 1.5 and minus 2.5 you're betting on the really the sort of the same outcome just a slight shift in it but with the same team Only one team is going to steam up and drift there. So the sample size is sort of 192. Very low, especially average odds 12.0. Super low sample size. Very difficult to gauge anything from this. And um, when I was sort of drilling down into his numbers, my immediate thought was, well, they're not too meaningful, I'm afraid. Even though it's 192 unique games, it's a lot of games, it's just not enough. I mean, really, we should be maybe multiplying that by five before we can get anything meaningful out of it regardless he did break it down for how many times he was beating the closing line or not and here's where it got interesting um his average edge was 7.33 percent but when he placed the bet but by the time he was at the closing line it was only 1.8 percent so he's not beating the closing line on average um how many times is he not beating the closing line okay 353 bets uh the e he didn't beat the closing line 266 times. And I was like, what? 266 times out of 353. 75%. That's an enormous number. I mean, look, think of it like this. Flip a coin. Um, blindly flip a coin. 353 times. You should be getting 100... and... 75 odd heads, 175 odd tails, plus one. Um, and then if you're beating the closing line, you know, if you've got 190, you're doing really well there. Right? Or if you're if you're not beating the closing line really well, really bad would be like 160. He's not beating the closing line 266 times. Um what are the odds of flipping a coin? 353 times and losing 266 of them. I'll tell you what they are because I sat and worked it out because it really struck me as almost statistically impossible. The odds are 6 sextillion, 221 quintillion, 887 quadrillion, 159 trillion, 245 billion, 548 million, to 1. Now I i'm no betting man (laughs) but six sextillion to one is running quite unlucky in fact at that point something's up something's up somewhere um i don't know if it's an error in the mathematics this guy comes across really mathematical so i'm kind of erring on the side that i trust his mathematics so one option is the maths are wrong but I, I just get the impression talking to this guy and looking at his numbers that he will have checked these. So it's an option that the maths are wrong, but I believe the maths are right. I'm sort of dismissing that. The second one is that the data's wrong, and that's that that could be interesting and needs to be looked at. and I need I don't have the data, so I can't check it. It seems like the most likely scenario just now that the data is wrong somewhere. Um, and the third option is that he's just run so unlucky, Something happened that wouldn't happen once every 6.2 sextillion times. But you would dismiss that as well. Something's wrong with the data somewhere. Um, but without the data, I can't really say where. Um, it would be interesting if there's just something wrong in the data archive tool. I mean, I've looked at the data archive tool. It looks like it's returning the closing line. So I just don't know. But I can't comment any further because... That's statistically a WTF moment. Um, similarly, as well on the player XG, um, he's beating the closing line. Um, he's um, well, out of two hundred sixty-four bets, um, he didn't beat the. He only beat the closing line sixty-four times, meaning he lost two hundred times. Again, statistically almost impossible. There might be something there where the archive tool is returning unnormalized numbers. Um, which would make sense in this scenario. So I've asked for that to be checked because um, if it's pre-team use, data hasn't been normalized, then of course, most of the time, the numbers are going to be a little bit higher. Therefore, you're not beating the the closing line. And then he's had a look at bet tracker bets, 94 bets placed with an ROI of 9.6%. Of the 94, um, the EV reduced 42 times so, um, he beat the closing line 52 times. So, there he's beating it. Um, uh, but a lot of those bets actually became negative EV, 22% of them, um, by the time um, they went off. However, it should be said that, um, well, when betting on these things, it's always important, if we've got absolutely no idea in which direction that the price is going, that you can posit that just taking a bet at the time and not worrying too much about the closing line, if it's going to be 50-50, if it increases your drifts, you'll be okay. Um, And those numbers mean that he's running quite hot. In fact, how hot is he running? Um, It's about 1 in 5.5, 1 in 5.66, 17% chance of um, success there. So that's running relatively hot. That's a reasonable analysis, and that's not outside of the realms of um um believability but if he if he sort of ran those 94 bets um uh six times he would expect to see an outcome like this once um and he wouldn't do as well five times so he rolled the dice and he got a six um it's still fairly unlikely but not impossible but the other two data sets are well they're they're really not possible so he asks, um, you know, he's got a good ROI on the uh, on the bet tracker bets, good ROI on the player XG bets, less of a good ROI, well, a negative ROI on the um, game center. 192 games is not a lot. In terms of beating the closing line, though, can't explain it because it, um, it's so st- statistically unlikely that it shouldn't be happening. So um, I would need to see the data on that. But um, the analysis is a good analysis. It's always... Um, important to be checking how we're doing against the clv uh uh, and if i hear more about this um if i get more feedback from tom then i'll jump back into the conversation and sort of dissect it a little bit more even if we do sort of figure out what's happened there comparing against the closing line um it's just not enough games 192 games we need a thousand games so Keep on going. Strap in. Hopefully, that ROI on the game center turns around. Hopefully, the the player XG continues to be profitable, as well as the bet tracker. And yeah, we'll pick this up hopefully again in the future. And the last email that comes in um, is um, some feedback from the previous podcast, where the bashcast, where we um, where there were some shots fired, and honestly, I. Did fire those shots. Uh, they came from a place of where I didn't understand what was going on over at Betfair trading community. I didn't believe watching the video that I was watching that I could understand where an edge was. Uh, my gut suspicion was that it was um, um, just finding random chance, at extremely low odds, um, something that could happen. In the sample size that we didn't get provided with very easily, um, and I am open to feedback or uh, a debate or a conversation around why I'm wrong. And I will correct myself if I am wrong and I've had some feedback. And uh, so, you know, man of my word, Um, let's have an open discussion about this. This comes from, well, I won't say who it's from, um, but uh, this came in on the 10th of July, so nine days ago. Hi, Tom. Just listened to your latest podcast regarding... BTC, the Bet Fair Trading community will be BTC from here on, okay? I've previously been a member of BTC as well as Bookie Bashing and have used the over 1.5 goals strategy that you discussed on the podcast. So the strategy was um, finding particular games, using some criteria that f- looking at particular leagues, looking at a very small amount of form, and then deciding to... Um, back over 1.5 goals at 30 minutes if it was still nil-nil, and then um, laying at something like 50 minutes if a goal had gone in or not, essentially cashing out, okay? And to me, there was no price sensitivity in there. Uh, There was no price sensitivity about gauging the expectation of goals in the match. There was no um, decay sensitivity or analysis between um, um, the price at the beginning of the match and... At 30 minutes, there was no analysis of how many, what the price should have shortened by or anything like that. And that's what stuck, struck a chord with me because I would have thought that, there's, that we can come up with an algorithm to work out what the price should be at 30 minutes and what we should be doing is beating the price, not just taking any price, okay? But going back to the email, I don't think your criticisms of the video are at all unfair, to be honest, but here are my two cents. Which may or may not be of interest. BTC does not use mathematically sophisticated models for trading. They use basic stats like the one described in Martin's video. They do not calculate true odds. They do not look for plus EV prices. They don't even use XG. They're certainly not using inverse Poisson distributions and whatnot. In their defense, they do generally urge caution about following the strategies blind. They suggest using additional criteria for numbers of shots on target, corners, etc., to decide whether to enter markets or not. They also advocate watching matches closely where possible and learning to read them. That I'll give credit for. Certainly, um, things can happen in play and there should be a a shift of expectation of the number of goals based on how um, open, how free it is, has there been a red card, has there been any action, based on pre-match assumptions. So I do agree um, there's more to this. It's why why we don't do in-play stuff, because that's really hard to do um, uh, and provide sort of live automated models for. Back to the email. Um, I heard you on some podcast once mention a rugby match where the in-play odds didn't move despite an underdog. Japan, maybe, playing much better than expected. That's right. That was South Africa versus Japan. South Africa were 200 to 1 on the exchanges, 10 minutes in, still nil-nil, and South Africa are... are really underperforming against an up for it japan team and so they shouldn't have still been 200 to 1 and i went in for them at 200 to 1 won the bet when japan won the match that's an extreme example of the kind of thing they're looking for i'd say i suspect that the more successful of the btc traders probably do have an edge using that method if only because they claim to make a living from trading over a decade or so and i have no reason to doubt the truth of that I think you might find Martin and or Ryan open to discussing it with you, and I'm sure they would do a better job than my lukewarm attempt to defend their methods. Now, to be fair, I agree entirely with the in-play stuff. In terms of people making a living from trading over a decade or so, take a thousand people and get them to um, trade on penny stocks. Um, Some will win and some will lose. Um, you tend not to hear about the ones that lose and the ones that win, say they've got an edge. Do they have an edge or did they get lucky? Look, I'm not saying nobody is a successful trader over BTC. I I am kind of still saying that that over 1.5 strategy alone, to me, to my mind's eye, simply cannot be profitable more than 50% of the time. In in fact, you're losing um, edge on commission. So you've got to... You've not only got to win, but you've got to overcome commission edge. I'm open for a conversation with anyone, even with Ryan or Martin. I have reached out to Ryan and Martin about something else, not about this, in the past. Um, A a number of times, didn't hear back from them. So um, I don't know if I'm going to reach out over this. Um, I don't want anyone to feel defensive or bad about what I'm saying. But I still am after an answer for why this is in any way profitable and not completely random chance oh more shots fired more shots fired so it's that time of the year now where i uh, bid adieu and to you and to you and to you and say goodbye for a little period of time so the kids summer holidays and i leverage my position as a professional gambler to do what i want to do in life and that is to uh, spend some quality time um with those around me friends family lots of children um i sort of i'm going to downscale the gambling quite a lot i've still got runners going to shops still going to be getting on plenty of ddhh women's world cup with things like the golf i I still get involved if i can but i don't go out of my way so like if i'm sat in a bar or a cafe uh one o'clock um on a wednesday afternoon and it's convenient i'll get on it but i don't stop what i'm doing and go out of my way to do it if that makes sense um so volume goes all the way down um so pack the you know pack the car up pack the tent up get the paddle board in get the kids surfboards and boogie boards in if there's enough room get the kids into the car and go away gonna do at least two music festivals booked into gonna see if there's a third i can do um numerous camping trips last year Um, focused on Wales. It was so good. We're just going to do Wales again, all the way from the south coast of the Gower Peninsula, Pembrokeshire to the north coast up in um, Nevin, Anglesey, places like that. Um, And just reconnect, if you like. Um, I've had a little bit of a rough time this year. Um, It's a lot of personal stuff that I don't bring to the Bashkash because it involves other people and many of the mistakes that have been made are mine um so there's no need to be raising this on a platform such as this um however um there's a, you find yourself in a little bit of a a rut especially a a gambler professional gambler can with the highs and the lows, and no matter how much you focus on the psychology and dealing with losing runs, they always can sort of raise an eyebrow you can question you can question. Um, your beliefs not not just of mathematics but of if this is what you want to be doing or if there is more around and the answer is there is more around um, and the more around for me is spending tangible time with my children, my wife, my friends my friend's children and that's what we're going to be doing spending a lot of time not doing a lot telling ghost stories in tents cooking barbecues, drinking wine hopefully not too much wine. I've got a little spreadsheet that I've made where I award points for various things and I take points away for various things. I'm going to start at 1,000 points and I hope that I've got 1,500 points by the end of the holiday, but I could have a zero. So if I smoke cigarettes, I'm going to lose points. If I drink so much that I'm starting to get a little bit woozy, then I'm disappointed in myself. If I haven't exercised, um, there's zero minutes TV between uh, tomorrow at th- um, 3 p.m. when the schools break up and the 4th of September when they go back. So any minute of TV um, is um, points off. Uh, I want no Twitter. I want no Instagram. I want no Facebook. Um, but if I do any open any of those apps, I have to take points off my score. I want to be doing um acts of kindness for those around me and even for random people you know just this ability to go places if you can talk to people make a new friend chat to people i love seven-year-olds who go to parties they meet somebody for the first time and they come running and going daddy i've made a new best friend wouldn't be great at 45 if i could go somewhere meet someone at 45 and then go running to jen and tell her that i've got a new best friend but it doesn't work like that but that doesn't mean that you can't try and you can't make those connections and you can't sort of work out what it is that we're all doing for 75 odd years on this um sphere that is rotating the sun um uh, there is more to it um i've heard i've read that the pursuit of happiness isn't everything and if you if you purely pursue happiness you 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 don't have very much meaning in life don't know how much i sort of agree with that i think um It depends on your definition of what you're doing to pursue happiness. Is your happiness in a widescreen television uh, and all of the Netflix and Disney Plus subscriptions? Or is your happiness in sort of encouraging those around you to be better people and being a little bit more forgiving um, uh, and a little bit of a better person yourself? I've got a lot of work to do on me, especially after the year that I've had. I haven't been on my top game and um, um, me and Jen have done, gone through, I, I think she, she's okay with me mentioning this, a little bit of marriage counseling recently, but not from the point of we're at the end and there's no hope. From the point of we've recognized that there's a little bit of a battle on when you're 11 years into a marriage especially this this weird job that I do um, where I can be at home sometimes moping around a little bit of time and um, a little bit more understanding and communication that can go on and all of those things requires my attention and for that those reasons my attentions are going to be slightly removed from bookie bashing we've got a fantastic team all the team, there's going to be no change in bookie bashing other than um, the results aren't going to be updated until September and no blogs and videos and stuff like that. When I come back though, I don't know what the future of the bash cast is. I've said a few times recently, I used to do this every week and then it was every two weeks. And then sometimes recently it's been every month, mostly because it was a personal diary, but I've got to be very careful in a personal diary not to be rehashing the old thing, the same things over and over again. I sort of stopped tallying up Um, doing weekly totals of my numbers because, for heaven's sake, that gets a little bit dull and boring after a period of time. And you sort of recognize when you talk about winners, like how much you never talk about losers. Well, the problem with talking about losers is the police come. No, the problem with talking about losers is um, um, there's so many of them, like the vast majority of losers. And so what's the future of the Bashcast? Do not know. There may be more sort of vloggy state type things, shorter format, five, ten minutes more frequently with the video on. So you can see my beautiful tanned face, which is gonna be three stone heavier by September, because I can't do any CrossFit when I've totally got the kids every single day. And that's fine. All of that is great. Hope to come back happier, healthier, um, very interested in what the future dynamic of the betting environment is going to be from September through to the middle of next year heaven forbid I hope it doesn't collapse in itself but there's always the risk that it does and if it does how much fun did we have playing the game that we did for as long as we did you know what I mean but I think there will always be something there it's just we've got to make sure that we're ever changing whatever it is that you're betting on this week I do hope that you maybe swerved the over goals on the first two women's world cup matches and I will see you on the other side of the Flippity. Corner.